Hi, this is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I serve as the interim site pastor at Urban Village Church, Edgewater. Urban Village Church does bold, inclusive, and relevant ministry for people who were traumatized by church, people who feel overchurched, and even the non-churched folks. If you identify with any of these signifiers, we're so glad you're listening. Would you consider helping us continue this Jesus-loving ministry in and across Chicago and over the internet? You can make a generous recurring gift by going to our website, urbanvillagechurch.org backslash give. And thanks for helping us with your ears, actions, and dollars to build up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And now, here's the latest sermon. Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Acts 6, verse 1 through 7. Now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenites complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. Uh, my name is Erin James Brown. I currently serve as the interim site pastor here at UBC Edgewater. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Uh, Tanya is part of our uh, old school Sunday school Bible study that meets after church. And a few weeks ago, we were saying, if you don't know somebody's name or a city, just say it real fast and pre- really confidently. And I don't know if you didn't know any of those names, but you did it really confidently. So good job, girl. Um, Will you pray with me? God, you are not finished with your work here in this world. We know that to be true because babies keep being born, because days are sometimes beautiful and sunshiny, and then days are sometimes rainy, offering renewal to the earth. And so, God, we ask that you continue to use us, your people, to bring about your goodness and hope in this world that so desperately needs to hear about your goodness and hope. Give us the courage to stand up and speak out on behalf of the widows and those who are hungry, on behalf of the unseen and unheard, so that, God, we can continue to make this world look like your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The people of God and their leaders were gathering and growing and healing and correcting their practices. They were still attracting attention from lots of people, from religious leaders specifically, who would show up and ask them to defend their position, saying, 
Why do you follow someone who died? Why do you continue to share in community with each other? Why do you defy our ancient heritage? And the apostles, their answer remained, because of Jesus the Christ. Because of him, things are forever changed. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are not afraid to proclaim the truth about death, but we also know that God has a promise of resurrection. Because of Jesus, Jesus basically said the seeming, to the seemingly unsavory, today you will be with me in paradise. So we continue to welcome more in, make space at our table, and share with one another because they have need. They said, because of Jesus, our heritage is not cast aside. Our heritage comes to the forefront and informs us that according to Moses and David and all those others, that God of our ancestors fulfilled something in Jesus and led us in an ancient, rooted, new way forward. So these people gathering in Jesus' name kept doing so, kept opening up space for more. And then those who preached really well went out with their ancient Near Eastern-style bullhorns and their media outlets and their tweeters to share the news far and wide in the name of Jesus Christ. They, begin, they continued to grow. And uh, maybe some of these really good tweeters were not good at analytical managed mi mindsets, creating systems and distribution centers to make sure everyone was getting the need in the name of Jesus Christ. But my favorite people in this story are those with compassion, those with fierce love. They don't get a name in the story, but they continue to gather around with them and listen and gather information. They continue to bind up the brokenhearted and heal the spirits, and then they start advocating. They start preaching to the preachers and start building and remembering we need to include those who are bruised, those who are bent over, those who are in need of care. This community gathering in the name of Jesus Christ was growing. Have you ever grown? I've been growing a lot in the past several forever. I'll just let you in on a secret that you might have forgot since you were 13. Growing brings about pain. Like a young adult going through a growth spurt, there is a desperate stretching, a feeling like there is no room left and still it has to cram in more. And then there are, there's the painful ache of bones pushing and grinding up against each other as they expand. And then there are markers left behind testifying to one's survival of the pain of growth. I like to call these love marks, but the internet calls them stretch marks. The expanse of growing is painful. The expanse of a community growing then is probably even more painful. The growth of a community is not without pain. It's not without loss of the unknowing, of the development of the future. This is where those believers committed to each other, gathering in the name of Jesus Christ, were discussing frankly, and they were probably, probably not happy. They were probably sad or angry and arguing about it, but they came ready to talk because they were committed, because they were all followers of Jesus the Christ. As the community stretched to increasingly include and prepare for those who were not even worshiping with them yet, they were just making more room so that more people could show up. As they grew, the people had to remind and then remind others who they were caring for. 
They were caring for the others on the corners of community, those who were hurt in the past and maybe barely hanging on to the coattails of Jesus at this point. They were trying to make more room for those who were ostracized by systems that were so large that there was a threat of being lost and forgotten in an ever-growing church. Those with what they felt like was probably a little bit of power bravely stepped forward and said, those with even less power than I have, our widows, our female-identified, our gender nonconforming, those who cannot find work, whom society has deemed useless, washed up, without significance, those people are being lost in the structure we're trying to create. Food is not being equally shared or distributed to them. Those people on the outskirts of town and the outskirts of community, the hard to reach and the hard to convince that they are worthy of outreach, those people are suffering even more. So these advocates and these allies, what others probably called bossy, but I call boss bias. <laughs> they came forward to question the leaders, maybe a little bit with force to say, how are we going to include the hungry? Those desperately who want to work, whom society deems incapable of work, but let's be honest, it's just about discrimination. How are we going to include them with compassion and care? And the church gathering in the name of Jesus Christ listened. They were at a time of being in flux, a time of wondering if hope was real, if hope was still on the horizon. And the truth is, most healthy systems and most healthy people are always constantly in flux, constantly in a state of change, also constantly in a state of progress. In anonymous gathering spaces, they call this progress, not perfection. I think this is what John Wesley intended with his structure of new methods for the church following Jesus Christ when he said we are moving towards perfection. It is a slow progression over time, but we are constantly following a goal. But a life in flux also is unlike employment or a career. A life of following Jesus doesn't have a retirement age, I'm sorry to tell you. My spiritual sage, a.k.a. my grandmother, at age 84 often says to me, girl, I'm still learning. And yes, she does call me girl. And then she goes on to recount a story of an encounter with one of the other folks in her independent living center, how she might have messed up in that encounter and she has to go and apologize. She is still learning in the name of Jesus Christ. And so a community consistently gathering to worship the God who made all things new does not achieve a moment of fulfilling its mission or vision. Instead, we're always asking, how can we be bolder? How can we be increasingly more inclusive and more relevant? And if you ask, if we call ourselves relevant, does it mean we're already irrelevant? Is it like proclaiming yourself hip or cool or with it and signaling to everyone around you, you clearly are not hip or cool or with it? How does growth prevent us from remembering our history, or does it? How does growth prepare us to engage our history and prepare us for a future of gathering in the name of Jesus Christ like generations have done so long before us. So those early gatherings in the name of Jesus Christ were dealing with these growing pains. 
Between those who only spoke Greek and those who spoke Hebrew and Aramaic, there were these language barriers preventing concise, easy communications to go out. There were cultural differences that slowed down the, uh, the flow of access for all groups. There were competing opinions about logistics, there, like when the food should show up, how it should be marked, tracked, distributed equitably, who should lead the local and who should be the ones out there telling the stories of the local, expanding a powerful message for Jesus Christ. And the apostles, God bless them, they were following Jesus, but they probably weren't prepared for creating systems of creation, creating change management and institutions and financial development. They knew a heaven a lot about sharing an engaging message and offering hope to the hopeless, but they were a little less capable to stick around and build the systems for those newly hopeful. So did they take it all on their own? No. They identified key leaders from among the community. They blessed and commissioned those from below to rise up as leaders. They knew it was not all up to them, but it was about a community sharing and distributing power. These newly identified leaders might be new. They might not have theological training. They might not have followed Jesus for three years in ministry, but that did not disqualify them from leadership. These new leaders were gifted and called to serve the community gathering in the name of Jesus Christ because they were gifted in a bunch of different things, filling in current gaps of the administration. They needed CFOs, chief financial officers, someone to point them in direct, uh, pointing, directing their focus and their need for financial support. They needed executive directors, uh, like walking commercials for their mission and vision, and then also to make sure that meetings happen on time and that we get out of meetings on time, more importantly. They needed an office of development that was constantly seeking research about teaching effectively, speaking to those who were disinterested in learning because they were interested in sharing the stories with people who had not yet shown up. So those gathering in the name of Jesus Christ, those committed to growing increasingly merciful, just, and loving, they needed new structures. They needed new lifeblood, new leaders to ever include and expand the message that God is not finished with us yet. In a world that desperately needs to hear, God's not finished yet. They needed new leaders to say, God is about progress and not perfection. They needed leaders to say, God needs you to transform this community because you make us better. We are a church. Those of us here gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. We are a church that gathers every week to remember our vision and mission and worship the beautiful God who made a beautiful world. And we are a church in flux right now. Over the course of the last several years, just to catch you up on a little bit of our history, we've undergone an anti-racism audit of our system. We've identified pain points and sought out information and learned ways that we can continually be increasingly anti-racist because we don't want to live into the mistakes of our past but be led into the transformation of the future. And we are a church in flux because we identified through that anti-racism audit in order to continually grow and share this anti-racist commitment, we need to grow. And so we need to change how our staffing is structured. So we take surveys and have endless town halls to talk about 
what it is you wanted for the future of our staffing of the church. Like, for example, none of you wanted to have one lead pastor who would live stream their message in. Did anybody want that? No, you didn't. The survey told us. (laughs) So we're not going to do that. You want a live, breathing person to tell us the particulars about our community. So we're going to do that. Last spring, you and me and some of us, maybe you weren't there yet because you hadn't yet found us, but I'm so glad you did. Last spring, some of us voted to create a new staffing structure to enable us for healthy growth in the name of Jesus Christ that enables us to endure the growing pains and set us up towards progress without forgetting who we are called to be, who we are called to love, who we are called to support, who we are called to welcome into the center of our community in the name of Jesus Christ. Churches, pastors, and people of God often swing our focus. I was talking to my mentor this week, and she was saying, we often, as churches, sometimes swing our focus so quickly from the macro, how to hold up our church and maintain just survival, how we function faithfully. And then we swing quickly back to the micro. How do we care for those whom we are called to welcome? The LGBTQ+, the harmed by previous churches, the forgotten, the desperate, the widow, the stranger, and the really strange. We are doing two things at once at all times, the macro of church and the micro of church. While we become focused on large systems of change, we have to also be the people who cannot lose sight of the individuals who need care, love, and inclusion. You probably maybe saw that yesterday's email came out Yesterday, if you didn't know, an email came out with updates about how our church will be staffed, how we hope, with God's help, to set ourselves up for this growth that includes people who haven't even found us yet. Who will lead us in this unknown progress, not perfection kind of future? These changes to our church require uncomfortability for a lot of us. These changes are hard for us to accept, And these changes are necessary to further welcome the stranger, the widowed, the child, the forgotten, and yes, the strange. Because those in our society who are being erased, we believe our community following Jesus Christ is called to pull them to the center, address their needs, listen to their wisdom in order to faithfully follow our God who has a perfect future which we hope to progress towards. But this new structure requires change. Also, though, this new structure requires rest. It requires new leadership. In order to grow like the early church grew, this church requires us, all of us, to show up just as we are, just as God created us, to push and press and advocate and demand and love and pray and give for the future progress, not perfection, progress towards God perfection kind of church. That means in change, some people will leave. I've been a part of church plants for the last 10 years, and whenever a church plant that I've been a part of, including UBC, has gone through a change, people leave. It is inevitable. It is okay. We're not going to freak out. But this church needs you not to leave because you showing up just as you are in all of your particulars of your identity, say to those babies running around at the back of the church, They can show up just as they are in all of their particulars. You, just as you are, are a testament of God's hope. 
Whenever a church goes through a significant change, leaving happens and you don't have to do it. We will not be discouraged by people leaving, but we are called and recommitted to the God whom has called us to be committed. We'll continue to be LGBTQ plus advocacy when the, United Glo- when the global United Methodist Church says they wanna tear queer people apart and deny their calling by God because we are a church that remembers Romans eleven twenty nine 29 that says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. No institution is gonna tell our queer candidates and candidates, candidates of color for ministry that they are not called by God. Instead, we as a church are gonna say, we're called by the Jesus Christ and we're gonna stay here because we're gonna, throw, we're gonna say, oh girl, hold my purse. Heaven no, those called by God, no one can snuff out, steal, or deny their call. So we're gonna commit to one another. During a change, people will try to divide us and turn us against each other. Some will become jealous because of others being listened to and then it becomes about an oppression Olympics. It's about, but that's, what it's not, that's not what it's about. It's about support and advocacy and uplifting for us all. So we listen to all of the complaints, but we come with a space of unabashed welcome and good, uh, wanting goodness for all. So during this change, if people try to turn us against one another, we'll toss our hair and say, get behind me, Satan. Ain't nobody got time for distractions. Racism, I don't know if you know this. As a white person, I'm just learning. (laughs) Racism tries to pit oppressed groups of people against each other. That's the power of white supremacy. And anti-racism works at every moment to persistently commit itself to the work to come back, to turn when we have been hurt towards each other, when relationships seem broken and beyond repair, We try to resurrect from seemingly dead impossibilities the hope of increasing justice. So don't let people tear us apart. Change means we fiercely fight and love for new leaders in which we will try, because other people will try and denigrate new leaders. They will try and say they're different. They've got things They're leading some way indifferent that Brittany never did, that Aaron never did, that Greg never did. And instead, we will turn to each other and say, haters gonna hate, give it time, give it a chance. I believe in them. Change means we will have to fiercely push for what we've always believed, which Jesus calls us to seek our pain points, correct and recommit to moving forward. Change means we will not give up in the times of seemingly dead situations, but trust that God who led the people out of slavery to freedom, that same God continues to work when God seems silent. The God who showed up for me every, time, every God tarnation time, I thought, God, what the heaven are you doing? And provided something more amazing than I could have ever dreamed up. That same God, when I say, God, why is this baby being born now? Says this baby needs to know that God is not finished yet. Change and growing and progress means we will not give up on our God because our God has never given up on us. A church in flux means we will proudly proclaim God is not finished with us yet. 
You will see those new people trickling in because they met us at Edgefest or they met us at the Pride Parade or they just Googled gay church, which that happens all the time, ladies. You will see those people in search of a hope in a world where compassion and hope are under threat. And you will have to welcome them in. You will have to say, we're a church in progress. We haven't reached perfection yet, but you know what? God's not finished with us yet because hope is still needed. Compassion is so desperately desired because babies keep being born, reminding, that, uh, reminding us that the climate in crisis is real, but our God powerfully controls this world that God lovingly created. God is not finished with us yet, but calls our community gathering in the name of Jesus Christ to, to keep committing to each other because we can't do this life alone. We are not a church, though, called in the name of the Apostle Peter. Are you a part of a church called in the name of the Apostle Peter? Say no. <laughs> we are not a church called in the name of, the, uh, of Greg Alonzo or a church called in the name of Aaron James Brown or Brittany Isaac. We are not a church called together in the name of Martin Luther King Jr. or Howard Thurman or a church gathered in the name of St. Beyonce. We are a church called together in the name of Jesus Christ, and our God is not finished with us yet, and that means no matter frickin' what, our God goes with us boldly into this new future of flux, and that means no matter if you think you don't matter, God needs you just as you are, a person in progress, not perfection, to help us get there. Will you pray with me? Mighty God, when it seemed like all was lost, you showed up with tongues of fire, with wounded hands, with peace. So stand with us in times of change and progress. Move with us through all of our feelings, whether it be grief, sorrow, anger, or joy, Uphold us that this is not the end. This is not the end of us. This is not the end of your work among us. Because you, God, are present in your glorious Son, the risen one, in whom we know and share resurrection. Continue to redeem and restore us to the fullness of life so that we may forever be free to be your people. people called together in the name of Jesus Christ. It is in that name that we pray. Amen.